All right, hello there, and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson. Joining me today is Peter Wesley Salmon. Hope you all are doing good down in the 519 and 226. Keep refining this. Um, I think everybody is doing fine. Uh, we are kind of officially in November as this is going to air, November 2nd. It is November, fair November, which is a thing that's coming up in a couple of weeks at the UC, going back to in-person. I hope everyone had a great Halloween. Yes, of course. Uh, Halloween came and went, as usual. I guess, I don't know where I was going with that. Maybe we could segue to something a little scarier, like the life of Marilyn Monroe. Anyway. More on that in a second. End Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be the new biological drama, Blonde, which you can now stream on the Netflix. And in case you didn't know, Blonde is based somewhat on, well, it is about Marilyn Monroe. Uh, Details may have been exaggerated and aggrandized uh, to make them even more harrowing. But it is about the life of Marilyn Monroe, who was a movie star. And uh, to start off our show, we thought we might uh, talk about other movies that are about Hollywood and about Hollywood stars, um, be they biographical or perhaps uh, a fictional story based on real people, real events, real things that happen in Hollywood now or in the past. And I got to tell you, Peter, uh, my list would probably look a bit different if I hadn't have started working on it after watching Blonde. I felt like I needed to craft a list that maybe made Hollywood not such a scary place of despair so, and abuse. So ones that are a bit more uh, bright, <laughs> more uh, positive biopics. Yes, that's right. That's fair. <laughs> so, yeah, I just... Uh, that was probably quite hard to find, though, but... Not as hard as you might think, actually. Um, I mean, there's nothing that Hollywood likes to do more than uh, talk about its own inherent greatness. And uh, anything that could, you know, put a frown uh, upside down on, you know, some of the, let's call them systemic abuses in the system. Uh, Hollywood is more than willing to do that. So, uh That's going to be our theme of the week. We're going to talk about three movies from each of us that are about Hollywood. Movies about movies. So, Peter, why don't you kick us off with your first pick? Okay, so my first pick uh, is the classic 2003 film, Mm -hmm. Pauly Shore is Dead. (laughs) So, Pauly Shore is Dead, uh, directed by, written by, starring, produced by Pauly Shore. Uh, is a mockumentary depicting his just life and his his fall down and not in real life because it didn't happen but in the film his uh comeback his return so uh <laughs> if you're a fan of paulie shore or you know that part of history the 90s mtv craziness that was going on the you know encino man pre-mummy brendan frazier you know if that's your scene that i would recommend this film uh and you know say what you want about paulie shore but he's he's entertaining 
you know is he a good actor is he is he funny you know no i don't i don't really think so but he's entertaining and that's that's really all that matters you know for a, a mockumentary mm-hmm. and mm. that's not true there could be a you know a, a higher quality in a mockumentary like this is spinal tap but uh when it comes to a polish shore mockumentary i think all you need is just some polish shore pizzazz uh and that's uh that's what you get. Um, I do want to note it's quite graphic. So anybody <laughs> listening, if you don't want a lot of graphic, there's a lot of uh, character names and titles of important films in it that I can't make on this. So yeah, it's 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 R for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you like Polly Shore or really don't like Polly Shore, <laughs> uh, I would recommend Polly Shore is dead. It's uh, it's for both sides. Uh, if you don't have much interest for him, I, I would say just don't watch it. But uh, if uh, it's hate, love, interest, curiosity towards old uh, Polly Shore, uh, I'd recommend Polly Shore is dead. Interesting. Yeah. Was there a Brendan Fraser Brendan Fraser cameo in this? Because I don't. I, I I must confess, I've never seen it. No, I don't think so. There actually is, though, a lot of cameos. Uh, Tommy Lee's in it, Pamela Anderson, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres, Dr. Dre, Andy Dick. Uh, so, yeah, it's interesting in that sense. Also, one thing I wanted to note, even though it's a mockumentary, mm-hmm. uh, especially its first half, is quite actually realistic. So it's a, a good look at the uh, uh, you know MTV VMA kind of beach days, you know, when party was the main scene. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd weirdly say it's not an awful film and uh if Polly shore is someone you're interested in whether it be love or hate yeah Polly shore is dead 2003 you might as well be dead i'm just looking at this filmography here um <laughs> i think it's yeah it's mostly just like just kind of youtube videos and stuff i mean i kind of feel sorry for him it's it's you know he he came in Played the part he was asked to play, and then uh, they kind of just, you know, cast him aside after yeah, Biodome. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but uh, but Biodome and those works, it's like what people wanted him to do as well, you know? If people just eventually didn't like the character and then kind of just blamed it on him. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And that is brought up in this film, too. Mm-hmm. I know I've been teasing him, but I actually do think he's dealt with a lot and is an interesting Hollywood figure. Maybe he should have a maybe. He, maybe he should have a comeback in some capacity. I don't know what that would look like, but uh, let's reclaim Polly Shore. Everything else from the '90s is getting reclaimed. Why not? Pauly yeah, Shore? bring back, bring Polly I mean, back. Jeff Jeffrey Dahmer's back. We can we can bring back Polly Shore. That may be a part of it anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that's, that's fair. It's a fair example. <laughs> uh, for my first pick, uh, I went with something uh, that was more recent but it goes back to uh the golden age of hollywood and actually there's a lot of crossover times in terms of time period with blonde uh we reviewed this on this show uh, a couple of years ago it's called stan and ollie it is about laurel and hardy and uh they're played by steve coogan and john c Riley. this is not the heyday of laurel and hardy this is post-war laurel and hardy when they're uh, doing live shows uh around england uh, it's it's kind of their last hurrah, although they obviously don't want it to be. Um, it's it's about uh, them trying to get a new Laurel and Hardy movie off the ground. Um, that is uh, more difficult, easier said than done, because uh, Hollywood has kind of moved past them, and a lot of those old 
vaudeville routines, uh, Marx Brothers, Three Stooges, Laurel and Hardy. All those guys have had their day. Their day is mostly over. Um, and uh, it, it's about uh, a working relationship that, uh, you know, made both men. But uh, they also kind of resent it. Even though they essentially love each other, they they kind of resent um, the past they've taken in their career. Um, you know, the which one? Laurel or Hardy? Hardy, you know, went tried to go his own way um, back in the 40s. Uh, that didn't work out so well. And, you know, there's some resentment on the part of uh, Laurel's part about... Um, you know, Hardy trying to make make himself a, a solo act. And, you know, now they're back at this, just going from one sad theater in England to the other, doing their old routines. Um, it's also got uh, the two actresses playing their wives, Shirley Henderson, who is uh, Mrs. Laurel, and um, Nina Ariandra as uh, Mrs. Hardy. Um, it's good forehander. It's a really nice sort of, uh, pleasant kind of comedy. Uh, also got some drama in it too. It's, you know, Hardy gets sick and, you know, threatens the, the show that they're working on. It's also really interesting to watch, uh, Laurel and Hardy work creatively. They're trying to develop a script and trying to work out the routines and the language and, um, the physical comedy, it, you know, it, it's interesting that way. I do enjoy movies about uh, the creative process. And Coogan and Riley, just so good together. Um, so low-key, but, um, you know, you can you can really feel the camaraderie, the sort of love, maybe not love-hate, but love-ambivalence relationship. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this was a movie that was sadly really overlooked. I remember watching it at the bookshelf, and there was usually a good crowd for these sort of things at the bookshelf, but, you know, it kind of came and went when it came out in 2018, 2019. So, um, Hopefully it did well uh, in England, though. Right? I might have had more of uh, positive results financially there, possibly, when it comes to the budget. Maybe. It was essentially an English movie. Um, yeah, it made 30 million against a 10 million, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, but no, Stan and Ollie, they deserve, you know, maybe, you know, 50, 50 mil plus, 50 plus mil. <laughs> I just want to see if it's streaming anywhere people can watch it. I didn't look it up before we started recording. Uh, it's on Netflix, so it's not only is it super easy to find, not only is this an enjoyable movie, it is super easy to find. Also, when compared to Blonde a relatively slim 98 minutes. So you, it, it's, it's a, it's a fun movie. Great performances, 98 minutes. That's called a trifecta folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It's pretty great. Pretty solid. All right. Uh, let's get to your uh, number two movie. Okay. So number two for me is actually, um, I would say it's just a film in my maybe top, top 50 all around oh. uh, man on the moon. Uh, 1999. Uh, yeah, the right the biopic of good old Andy Kaufman, who is I would say one of the you know earliest developers of of anti comedy. Right, without him, <laughs> we have like uh, Tim and Eric. Would we have had uh Mr. Show back in the 90s? You know, 2000s. Uh, it's he's a remarkable guy, and I think this is one of the greatest um portrayals. Uh, you know, actors portrayal of uh of an actor or just a star all around Jim Carrey. Uh, it's, it's remarkable. He really is Andy Kaufman. Mm. Uh, and I think because unlike any other film, his mindset 
Jim Carrey, not not who he's acting as, but just Jim Carrey himself, the mindset is very similar Mm. to Andy Mm -hmm. Kaufman. And he's able to just fully become him. Uh, And just in general, it's also a really great... uh, It's got a lot of, you know, like artistic aspects. The cinematography is beautiful, but uh, it's it's a firm uh, biopic of, uh, you know, beginning to end. You get to see a good... um, you know, the variation of his, his attempts, you know, taxi when he was trying to do the more mainstream sitcoms, you know, or his, uh, the, the female wrestling and boxing. Mm-hmm. And then of course his amazing, uh, percussion work <laughs> his, his, his art, right. His music, which I love, uh, his improv, his musical improv. <laughs> and, uh, they make it clear throughout the film that Kaufman did not view himself as a comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, the film, makes you question like is, did he actually not is that is that true who was he you know mm-hmm. uh man of the moon as i think is necessary for kaufman gives us a good look at him but also brings up even more questions about him who he is you know his reality and it's just yeah it's remarkable and i think if you see man of the moon it's one of the rarities where the doc of its making itself mm. is a must uh mm-hmm. the netflix jim and andy the great beyond and it's really great uh especially kind of post me Too, post some of the uh negative comments being made towards method acting it, it's mm-hmm. just good it's a good look at that as well because that is how jim carrey dealt with it uh mm-hmm. and he's he's a jerk in it he's he's a jerk <laughs> um but yeah i this, think you know this was the height of jim carrey as a capital a actor yeah exactly and it, it it's unfortunately it pays off for Andy Kaufman in it. Um, and I think Danny DeVito too is George Shapiro uh, as the manager is so good. So, so, so good. I would say one of his best uh, portrayals, very realistic one of George Shapiro, but uh, mm. with enough pizzazz to make the biopic more enjoyable. Although I'm not going to lie, the real Shapiro had a lot of pizzazz to him as well. So <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really fun. Um, so yeah, I'd recommend that film to, uh, to anybody. Even if you don't know who he is, it's a damn good film, so watch it. Well, it's a good introduction if you've heard the name Andy Kaufman. And um, Yeah, I hadn't really, uh, other than Taxi, I hadn't viewed really much of him before watching it. So it really pushed me. I love him now myself. So that's why, yeah, maybe especially if you don't know much about Andy Kaufman, but you do like comedy, you should check out Man of the Moon. Also mini Taxi reunion in it right yes exactly so yeah if you just like judd hirsch and tax it yeah just watch it (laughs) and they did it without de-aging people yes exactly 20 years later and no de-aging um yeah no uh man on the moon i i like that a lot Mm -hmm. um it's interesting uh sort of seeing that um because Jim Carrey was kind of going through a phase himself not just the whole like i'm an actor now and i'm gonna win an oscar or something but you know this was like he comes onto the scene uh, with Ace Ventura, The Mask, uh, Dumb and Dumber. Uh, he becomes immediate smash hit success. He cashes in on that. And then he tries to do something really weird and different. And it's kind of anti-comedy with Cable Guy. And it's immediately rejected. <laughs> and, then, and then he goes and does like Liar Liar. And um, and then he tries to, which, which kind of lets him pivot back with a big success again. And then he goes back into sort of anti-comedy with like the Truman show and um, man on the moon. And yeah, it's, it's but luckily some actually well-made ones, successful ones. Yeah. 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 He, he's, he did prove his chops. He did, you know, he did prove that he could act and uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. 
interesting choice um something completely different from me for my number two <laughs> is ed wood kind of problematic itself given everything that's happened to johnny depp the last few years but um definitely sort of his heyday of just like taking on strange weird roles kind of like anti-pinup roles which is you know you know as a, as a young actor he, he was an attractive man and that's kind of the 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 square hole you want they wanted to peg him in um and and he didn't want to do that so you know you go to something like ed wood and he's collaborating with tim burton he's already did it once with edward scissorhands he comes into ed wood story of the quote-unquote worst director in hollywood that this is not a movie though that mocks ed wood this is a movie that goes this man is a big damn hollywood hero um he made movies he made them with exuberance. You may not like his movies, but I guarantee you 99% of the people who hate Edward movies have never made a movie themselves. Edward made several. And on top of that, um, there are people who remember Ed Wood, not just for the movie, uh, the Tim Burton movie about him, but for the work, which is something you can't say about the majority of filmmakers. Not everybody stands out in that crowd. And so you get you get this tribute to creativity despite lack of talent. You get this tribute to acceptance and friendship because, of course, Ed Wood uh, wore women's clothes. And this is the thing. I rewatched Ed Wood trying to, you know, trying to consider its approach through, like, the lens of trying, you know, 2022 and how kind of accepting we are of 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 people who are, like, sexually fluid now. For a 1994 movie, Ed Wood is pretty woke, and um, was was Ed Wood uh, like? Is he uh, was he like uh, sexually fluid? You said is he was a gay well, man? he wore he wore women's clothes. He was a straight man that like wore. Oh, I didn't. Clothes. Okay, that is amazing. Then for the year Ed Wood came out, yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it, so that's uh, yeah, it came out in 1994, and it's pretty it's pretty darn woke because it makes no judgments about him. Um, yeah, that's amazing. There is, you know, the Sarah Jessica Parker character who's his girlfriend at the beginning of the film who, you know, doesn't get it. And that's kind of like true to the day. But then he meets someone later on in the movie who's like, okay, cool. That's fine. You want to. Yeah. <laughs> well, Carrie, Carrie herself at Sex the City is not. There's a couple. She, she doesn't love it. So, yeah, that makes sense. Makes yeah. Sense. I'm well... always okay if it's a bad Sarah <laughs> Jessica Parker character because it's the most accurate, I'd say. <laughs> let's get Kemp control on the show to talk about it um <laughs> yeah so it's just it's also black and white uh interestingly howard shore score which uh howard shore uh not typically thought of as, as a tim burton collaborator but uh this was after burton and danny elfman had a fallout after nightmare before christmas so uh they needed some time away from each other so you get howard shore instead and he does a great job the music is uh, really feels it's got that really nice weirdo 50s um, we've got three instruments and we're making a score kind of feel it's um, and then he, of course Martin Martin Landau as uh, Bella Lugosi so heartbreaking so great and um, yeah it's it's a real tribute to the the craft and camaraderie of filmmaking and it's it's less about wasn't he awful as a as a director and and that's what makes it so winning it's uh it holds up almost 30 years later edward holds up well i gotta catch it then oh you definitely gotta catch it 
Um, <laughs> it's been, tw- been 28 years. Um, so oh, did it come out? It came out in 94. Yeah. Okay. Do you know which uh, month? What month? I don't remember off the top of my head. It was, I think it was a fall release because it was definitely going for Oscars. Uh, okay. I could have seen it then. I messed up. All right. Well, that's okay. Why don't you just tell us what you're, it's on Disney plus right now, actually, weirdly enough. Well, now I'm kind of regretting not seeing it because I think it'd be my choice too. It sounds <laughs> sounds amazing. So there's a, there's one, another one that's easy to find. It's right there on Disney Plus. Okay, uh, let's get to your so, number three. Yours, Ed Wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of why I've been mentioned it. Feel bad too. It's all about how someone who's been deemed a bad director isn't bad. They're great, right? Mm-hmm. I kind of picked the opposite. I picked the Disaster Artist, which <laughs> is about a bad actor and director portrayed as a bad actor and director uh so i myself am a huge fan of the room i think Mm -hmm. it's been you know overplayed uh i was like a room fan before it was cool right (laughs) uh (laughs) so i actually really do not like the film Mm -hmm. the disaster artist i know a lot of people that do and i think it's a great film so i'd recommend it but Mm -hmm. if you love the room and you love it so much that there isn't like I, I love the room so much that even though it's a bad film, I can't hate on Tommy Wiseau. He made something I love, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The disaster artist bashes him, and James Franco when he won the Golden Globe, he like shoving Tommy Wiseau aside. Disgusting. His actions towards him are disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the disaster artist is unfortunately an okay. Like it's not inaccurate. It's not inaccurate at all. Uh, and not the only disgusting thing James Franco's ever done. FYI. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and unfortunately, James Franco <gasps> is Tommy Wiseau in it. It's it's not, uh, you know, to the caliber of what I've heard about this Ed Wood, but uh, he is really really great as Tommy Wiseau. Uh, Dave Franco, I would say, uh, overpasses him though as as Greg Sestero. 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 I apologize. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who wrote the book that uh, it's based on? And that's a great um, book. Everyone should it, read the book. It is. And it is a bit of a better portrayal of Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. Uh, there's a bit more a uh, heart to it. Yeah. Um, so he's great in it. Uh, Greg Sestero himself makes a little, uh, Sestero makes a cameo himself too, which is uh, fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I really enjoyed about it is even though its budget's quite high, uh, because it's in the comedy scene, there's a lot of more, maybe you just see them on TV or you wouldn't expect them. Mm-hmm. Uh, June Diane Raphael. Uh, she's a comedian I love. She's in it. She actually has a strong role. Um, uh, Jason Manzukis, he has a strong role in it. And uh, the person everybody knows now, uh, Nathan Fielder, mm-hmm. uh, actually has a, a decently, again, strong, uh, strong role. Um, so if you... Uh, and Tommy Rizzo does get a certain percentage from it. So that's mm-hmm. why, even though it's bad to him, I don't feel awful myself having watched The Disaster Artist. So mm-hmm. yeah, just just keep that in mind if you're a fan of Wizzo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I would say if you've seen The Room or you're just interested at all in the production and the strange, who knows why, success of awful, awful films from awful, awful directors, uh, I would recommend The Disaster Artist. <laughs> I would also say though, don't be mean like James Franco. Like don't don't be a bully. Don't be a bully to Tommy Wiseau or bad directors. You know what? You know what I like about Tommy Wiseau is he could have shot the roof scenes on any roof but he built a roof set yeah, exactly that's... there's so much work there's so much work into it that's pretty badass yeah exactly 
<laughs> it's a badass um, way of making a badass film. No, sorry, not a badass film, just a bad film. Badass was... way of making a bad film. <laughs> and again, like, how many movies have you made? Tommy Wiseau made a movie. Actually, he's made a couple of movies, um, but none of them are, are as, uh, I guess, as notoriety, uh, notorious as, as The Room. Um, plus, there's really great opportunities to, like, have some confusion because there's also that other room um starring brie larson based on the emma donahue book <laughs> they're so they're so different i don't know if there'll be any confusion anybody being confused is not aware of what they're going into with the room well i mean if you have two discs and they both say the room on them <laughs> I, you know and there's no other like art or anything i guess be careful then be <laughs> yeah. careful with that um all right my last pick is a little appreciated and uh, not very well seen Coen Brothers movie called Hail Caesar. It's not based on any particular story. Um, it does draw a lot of inspiration from a lot of different um, actors and a lot of different stories in, in Hollywood. Um, you get a multi, like one of these sprawling Coen Brothers movies, Comedy of Errors, um, where Eddie Mannix, the studio fixer played by Josh Brolin, is basically going from one disaster to the next, um, whether that's uh, the kidnapping of the studio's breadwinner, um, who's been kidnapped by a group of uh, communists who want them to help him, uh, help them spread the word about uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> the working class revolution, uh, to the story of this cowboy played by Alden Ehrenreich, um, who, who's... Uh, a very talented, well, maybe not talented, but he, he's getting a lot of attention for his roles in Westerns. And so they plant him in this sort of, uh, uh, you know, kind of English comedy uh, where he's, you know, has to, you know, say things like, would that it were so simple? And there's this great sequence where Ray Fiennes, as the director, is trying to get him to spit out this, would that it were so simple? And it's... Uh, it it just isn't working because uh when you're raised on a, a ranch um uh, you're not exactly uh reading the plays of oscar wilde i guess uh learning from the patter um so you know those are two really great performances in the movie you get telda swinton as a pair of uh twin gossip mongers that's a lot of fun uh you get channing tatum as uh like kind of this fred astaire type actor and uh you know, you're re reminded in this movie that uh, Channing Tatum's a really great dancer, and uh, he doesn't. Yeah, the who needs a reminder of that? Well, I mean, he doesn't Imagine get a Mike step up. Who he doesn't... needs a reminder of that. I'm just saying he doesn't get a lot of opportunities to dance. Is is my point? Is that yeah? Every once in a while they throw him a bone. Yeah, like... I just don't know if anybody questioning his dancing capabilities deserves to view his dancing. <laughs> fair enough but as a uh, fan of that i'm glad to hear that's in the film yeah no he's uh he's really great you get these like different sequences where you know the coen brothers are copying certain styles and certain color schemes and um it, it, it's a lot of fun it, i guess it was a lot of fun for them um stylistically i understand why it's not god tier coen brothers um there's a lot of competition there but it's i mean like burn after reading I think that it's it's very solid. It's very solidly funny. Coen Brothers, they have a lot of material to work with. And if you don't like the, the storyline, wait five minutes and you'll get a new storyline. So, Well, it's like Burn After Reading where uh, uh, George Clooney, I would say in particular, has a really funny uh, a funny part. Yeah, George Clooney gets to be funny, which he, he can actually be pretty funny. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I, this, I, I do think... 
I think Burn After Reading has gotten a reevaluation in recent years. I think Hail Caesar is probably due. All right. That's going to leave, uh, well, kind of our happy Hollywood memories because we have to dig in to Andrew Dominic's uh, very mm. sad and tumultuous take on the life of Marilyn Monroe. We're going to review Blonde after the break. You are listening to end credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. A kiss of a handmaiden, quite continental, with diamonds are a girl's best friend. Kiss I'll take you in the back here. We got a little something for you. I'll be there in a second. I'll be there in a minute. We'll be there. Come on, sweetie. Right over here. You've done such a good job. Such a good job. Come on in here. Come on, come on. How about that? Billy, she's not a well girl. All righty. That was a clip from Blonde. It's the new film from writer-director Andrew Dominic, and it stars Anna de Armas, Adrian Brody, Bobby Cannavale, Xavier Samuel, Evan Williams, Dan Butler, and Julianne Nicholson. So, uh, Peter suggested this, and uh, I don't blame Peter. <laughs> I I was shocked it hadn't already been done. A biopic of the Marilyn Monroe. Uh, yes, I think I was listening to some reviews, like it was on different like film podcasts, um, and you know I was sort of I I. After it came out, I was feeling kind of ambivalent about it. Just as like, oh, I don't like, do I want to sit through this? It's like three hours of uh, Marilyn Monroe, <laughs> essentially being tortured all her life. Um, yeah, it's all right. I'm going to start with positives. Um, Ana de Armas, so good. Oh, uh, phenomenal! Yeah, I uh, just yeah, remarkable, remarkable, absolutely. Uh, the makeup job phenomenal like outstanding mm-hmm. right it, it just it looked it looked like monroe it looked like more like monroe because of her facial structure uh mm-hmm. the actresses than like i think a lot of just you know whiteies with actual blonde hair or, or more the, the the original kind of more brunette of monroe would uh look awful you know so yeah yeah i didn't yeah. appreciate the uh kind of backlash of that is anyone great. backlashing her there was a bit of a backlash yeah but uh, like, yeah, it's it's because yeah, I'm, I, glad, I'm glad you hadn't even heard about that backlash because yeah, she's, she's remarkable and I'm she's glad the that best that part. 
She's I'm the glad best part of this. The, the stand. Well, there's some. I wouldn't agree. There's some reviewers saying it's the only good part, right? <laughs> but it is. It is one. It is absolutely, without a doubt, a, a great part. Yeah, she's remarkable. Yeah, it, it is interesting. She, there is like kind if of it a was like a different. Yeah. If it was a different film, uh, mm. she might be, you know, viewed like Austin Butler kind of is with with Elvis, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, some of the other negatives have overpassed that. Well, I I would also. I I made that connection too, and I would say that Austin Butler is better than Elvis the movie. I think he yes, exactly, yeah. And I think that's I, I have a kind of a similar feeling about Blonde is that Anna de Armas as Marilyn is better than the movie, and I I, I what I appreciate is um the moments when and, and this is kind of like where the conflict between. <laughs> the director and his intent is you know is, is that there are like moments where very clearly he wants to say hey Marilyn Monroe wasn't just a pretty face like there's that scene where sh- she's meeting with Arthur Miller and she's talking and she's offering like insights about the character and he's like kind of blown away because he's like yeah okay I'll have a meeting with Marilyn Monroe and talk about her playing this character because like why not and then I'll go and hire like a quote unquote real actress. And then she, she kind of blows him away with her insights. And I'm like, this is kind of the movie I want to see where it's like Marilyn Monroe. Um, I'm not just a pretty face. I have ideas. I want to be a great actor. Um, yeah. Like- they should have shown uh, that more her trying to fight or going against the mm-hmm. imagery that was being um, pushed down upon her, you know, just being that, that hot blonde, right? The dumb blonde. Because there was a lot of that in her there life. Should have been, there should have been more of that. Little brief glimpses of her, her trying to fight against that, absolutely. Well, I mean, she was, like, at the studio, like, saying, hey, I'm not a dumb blonde. Like, I can do things. Mm-hmm. I have range. Um, you know, and, and pushing for changes and trying to develop her own projects. And, um, yeah, she, you know, that's, that, that's a great place to sort of build from if you, like, I don't know if Andrew Dominic is really concerned about doing like a feminist. Um, I, uh, I, have, I have no idea. I have no idea. Because there's, I mean, there's a lot of that in here. This idea is like there were men in her life who chewed her up and spit her out. Well, and uh, like back then, the the amount that that happened to women in Hollywood, it's still ridiculously high, but it was even higher. Yeah. So it being the main focus is a bit, unfortunately, realistic. Yeah, so that's that's right. the one that I tried to keep in mind. Uh, I also I do understand because the director is male, people not uh, lo- being able to use it as an excuse. Oh well, that that did happen, you know, like mm-hmm. especially based on Me Too. Now that did happen in the back, but it it is by a male director, right? So it's a male look at that. So mm-hmm. I get that. I did want to note though, the book it's based on is by a woman, Joyce Carol Oates. She's mm-hmm. remarkable, and she herself uh, absolutely loved uh the film just a quick quote from her um i think it was a brilliant work of cinematic art obviously not for everyone that's that's the truth yeah yeah but (laughs) and then she found it surprising that in a post me too era the stark exposure of sexual predation in hollywood has been interpreted as exploitation so i do agree with her in that as well um I do like it's unfortunately something Monroe dealt with. I understand people questioning that as the choice for main focus, but mm. it is it being the focus does display and yes, a disgusting but realistic way of uh, the sexism of Hollywood, right? Yes, this film is directed by a guy, 
but it, the book is from a woman. So I, I'm trying to <laughs> trying to, to use that to keep um, some positivities going, you know, I'm, some, 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 uh, I guess I'm trying to find excuses for the sexual exploitation that is absolutely present. I'm glad Joyce Carol Oates likes the movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think there is a friction like, yeah, like, let's be honest about what this looked like, like, you know, and especially Zanuck, um, who was kind of well known as an abuser. Um, and, you know, in, in the, the aftermath of his life, as you know, we've come to sort of understand just how much of an abuser Zanuck was, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, up to and including Marilyn Monroe, there's a whole laundry list of actresses he apparently um, abused. But... Um, I think where where it kind of feels exploitative is, um, when it does things like, you know, does the POV shot of her getting an abortion from inside her vagina, or when it does a POV shot of her throwing up champagne and pills from inside the toilet, or and the uh, JFK <clears throat> reason the films NC seventeen scene that uh that was incredibly uncomfortable and um and it's the kind of uncomfortable (laughs) that is it needed to teach a lesson like if it was there is other like really gross graphic sexual encounter that could have been used for like a better lesson or a better point trying to be made whereas it was just kind of the same oh this again monroe had to do something you know Gross, it's, not, right? it's not just the scene though like that like the scene and also i'm not entirely sure what's the name of the actor who oh, plays like kennedy Phillipson? yeah i'm not sure why he was playing jfk as bill clinton but that was a bit weird yeah. um <laughs> it's an art film right <laughs> if you're that's that's the one thing i think needs to be made clear if you are a monroe fan Mm-hmm. And you just want a biopic. That's not what Blonde is. It's it's more. He's like no, an no. artistic guy. Andrew Dominic, right? The yeah, the his Jesse James film. Uh, it too is pretty pretty bizarre. And uh, he held up. He held up with Blonde. Um, but I do it's, think if you like more artistic directors, uh, there is some interesting, uh, some interesting ways of displaying her drug addiction. Mm-hmm. when she's on a certain amount of drugs and things people's faces will distort so mm-hmm. i thought that was cool but i thought it was out of place i thought a lot of his artistic attempts like that were out of place because there is elements more just like a biopic right more of a mm-hmm. a broad look at Marilyn monroe uh, well, in her life it's also the of... shift the shift of color to black and white that was annoying quite, was quite strange i yeah. think the point was it's when she's acting but that includes when just around in a regular social setting she's acting yeah because when they were showing the filming it would be like that but then sometimes like at a party or whatever it would be black and white too when she's supposed to be i'm using finger quotes herself so i think it's supposed to show that like even outside of the filming she can't always just be herself but it was i think a failed attempt it was kind of it was weird it was it, it took away the focus that could just be made on her well and it's never the, exactly... and the issues is trying to display with more right it's what, never... what you were discussing maybe showing a bit more of her her intelligence that she held it's never exactly clear though like like is that what he's doing and it doesn't really establish i mean there is kind of this um 
And Anadarmus plays it well, this idea that um, there's Norma Jean and there's Marilyn. And then there's like maybe this other kind of ethereal idea of Marilyn that there's kind of like she essentially has multiple personalities, even though she doesn't have like it, it's not a clinical. Um, there's that scene where she is being assaulted by JFK, mm-hmm. where she says, like, how did I get here? Like, did Marilyn bring me here? Why did Marilyn do this to me? Um, that's interesting in the midst of like all this gross uncomfortableness but i I don't think the movie ever makes that clear because as soon as like we're trying to get a handle on something snap we're on to the next thing we're on to the next abuse um we're on to the next man who who doesn't you know give her the love and support that she needs and you know we're yeah you know we're off to you know joe dimaggio or he's just sitting there watching baseball and then snap he's getting pissed at her because she's doing the seven-year itch and then snap she it's the premiere of the seven-year itch and this is where it like gets oddly exploitative it's like through vast portions of this film andrew dominic is like saying isn't this awful what is happening to her and then there's this like five minute long luxurious slow camera examination of her standing on the grate in the seven year itch where you see it from like every conceivable angle mm-hmm. and all people's reaction to it. Right. And, everything. and it's, it's like, well, what are you trying to say, Andrew Dominic? It's wrong that she was so like wickedly exploited. So what are you doing? Like exploiting her, you know, now uh, it's, he's, he's maybe in that part. He's trying to show that even with all she's tried, and like being a main character of this film, mm-hmm. it still is her as like a sexual object that people view. Mm-hmm. So, but um, if that's not what you took away from it, then it, it wasn't. <laughs> then that wasn't. It wasn't made clear enough, even if that was the attempt. It's just so weird because it seems like it's a it's a setup, like doing all like these like slow pans around her as she's standing on the grade. Um, it, it seems because there's this like zoom in. Where she's, you, the camera's behind her as she's standing on the grate, and ever like all these paparazzos are like taking pictures because it's like a promotion thing for the movie, and it's zooming in and it zooms past her to Joe DiMaggio watching this, <laughs> and it yeah, seems so like... making him the main focus again, right? <laughs> and it's like it's setting up for this scene that immediately happens after, where she comes back from the premiere, she feels like it's been a success, and he starts slapping her around and you uh, thankfully it's off screen all you hear are the hits but even that it's hard to watch as realistic it's though. So, he, did, he did do that right I, I i don't need to i don't need to sit there uncomfortably as the camera hovers in the living room as you hear her being beaten in the next room it's well it's abuse it needs to be shown in a realistic way right i i don't have any problem with uh with that um i, I feel bad i didn't i wasn't aware joe dimaggio was like that i just when i think of joe dimaggio i just think of him dunking donuts seinfeld episode so i'm i'm personally i'm personally he dunks by the way but i personally am very glad that uh they portrayed him in that way I, my viewpoint of him is very very different now um and i thought bobby cannibal was great at that better better than uh better than the watcher i was very glad watching bobby cannibal in this because the watcher is a horrendous show Anybody he's a, he's a great actor you like the watcher it's horrendous uh and you're part of the problem um 
And I thought I thought Adrian Brody uh, again was was quite great. As, I liked uh, him a lot, yeah. Arthur Miller, but again, those are both the two males, right? So what is that? That doesn't really add too much of a positivity to the complaints we're making towards Blonde, the two greatest being the guy actors, right? Well, what's what's interesting is that with the whole Arthur Miller thing, and I was thinking a lot about um, what's it called. This week with Marilyn, which was uh, Michelle Williams as as Marilyn Monroe, which was a you know they were in England, I can't remember. It's with it's a movie with Olivier, but it was like clearly Marilyn was starting to show the wear of of the life she was leading, um, and it, it, it that movie made Arthur Miller completely and utterly unsympathetic, which is why I found this portrayal in the film. He's he's more sympathetic, but he's still also kind of cool and aloof. And um, although it shows him trying, which I appreciated, it, it's like he's kind <laughs> of like if if there's anything closely resembling a good guy in this movie, it, it is Arthur Miller, um, who you know maybe felt like he he couldn't help her, or you know maybe he just wasn't equipped to to help her, and it it. Yeah, but he tried. He tried really hard. He tried. I mean, there's uh, also the aspect too that he was basically using their marriage as writing material as well, and uh, or at least that's that that was her worry. Yes, that even he mm-hmm. was viewing her more as as Monroe. That's that's interesting. That's an interesting way to look at it. If that whole scene where she goes into his office and sees um, a conversation they've had written as a script, whether that's her kind of neuroses about the marriage or whether that's something that actually happened, but. Mm-hmm. That's. I mean, I wish there was kind of a bit more of that ambiguity, and and that would that would also play into this whole thing. Like, is my life real? Am I playing a part? Well, that's why I'm saying it's more of an art film. For a biopic, there's a heck of a lot of questions brought up and that aren't mm-hmm. answered, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, meanings and points that could go in so many different directions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, and I'm getting that because I don't, I don't think I hate this film. No, I didn't hate it. And it's it's even though it's really long, like it's not super boring. I would say it's there's there's enough kind of entertainment spread throughout. Uh I, well, I honestly I watched it in two of, parts. I watched it in two parts. Uh see I didn't need to. <laughs> <laughs> there's like only so much I could do. It's like, no, no. I this movie is emotionally exhausting yeah. watching this nice woman um constantly be you know, end up in a <laughs> end up in a in a dead end somewhere emotionally it's like i you know i like Anna to Arvis. i like the look of this movie it's technically very um brilliant but it, it, you know i need a break i'm gonna yeah it's it's hard <laughs> it, it really is hard um i'm gonna put something... on, i'm gonna put on hill caesar and laugh at hollywood for a change yeah <laughs> I, I also um i just wanted to make note um I mm. thought Cass, Cass Chaplin too was portrayed. I thought that was really great. I uh, mm. wasn't like really myself too aware of Cass Chaplin or any of the stories, so I thought that was an interesting, uh, interesting part to to bring in. You know, mm. I did, I did. You, you weren't a fan. I mean, and I thought, thought it pointless, not needed. I thought those guys were fine, but I don't know what because that's one too of the many made quest- up- too many questions. That's one I of the made up was- parts of this, though, is that they they had like a thruple, her and Edward. G. Robinson Jr. and yeah. and Cass Chaplin, son of Charlie Chaplin. It's just it's it's a completely made up aspect of this film, and it kind of like leads nowhere. And again, there's this betrayal in the end, um, with it involving Cass Chaplin, which is essentially implied that you know 
this last act of his drives her to her suicide or mm. to her, her death by suicide. And it's like, here's the thing though. It, it's played when, you know, they, they all kind of get together early in the film. It's like, this is kind of like an idyllic sort of relationship. You know, they see her as not, not quite idyllic. Maybe that's the wrong word, but they, they, they sort of see both Norma Jean and Marilyn. They're able to that's see the why, Norma Jean That's under why Marilyn. I kind of wanted to bring it up and do say like, I was all right with that. Cause it, yeah, it's, they're the only people that like fully see her. Um, I guess Arthur Miller gets close, but yeah, they're the only two where it really, it really is a uh, like that. Um, but like, but it said, doesn't go anywhere because real. it's, you know, she's with them, then she's not. Then she's with Joe DiMaggio, then she's not. Then she's with Arthur Miller, then she's not. It's... That's the problem with the, the film all around, right? It just kind of keeps coming back to that. There's a lot of really great dips into things, different topics and characters, but like I understand, really come, come I, together. I, I kind of understand what he's wanting, what he's trying to do, and like this. It's kind again. It's kind of what Elvis is doing, where it's kind of like this lyrical, dreamlike. Um, we had great times, but we also had absolute bottom feeding, horrible times. <laughs> and it, you know this is kind of where stan and ollie kind of gets it it's like focus on one thing focus on one story you, you don't have to see the whole life to understand the whole life and could they have focused on her like if, if they wanted to talk about her her being exploited they could have focused on her early years or even her later years if they wanted to talk about like marilyn the artist um or marilyn the like who is Marilyn? Who is Norma Jean? Like, you know, somewhere in the middle, like doing Niagara, where she's like hitting her the peak of her star power. Um, or you there's know, a, yeah, there's a whole lot of aspects of her life they couldn't have put in. Yeah, it really uh, is just her her social life and her relationships. Mm. Um, I didn't learn anything really new about her acting roles or no. really even that many encounters. Um, like there was no. I mean, you go to like every fifties diner, right? But I, I, there was no <laughs> scene with her and like James Dean and Elvis and that kind of thing. Maybe that's even more realistic, you know, than the fifties diners. But um, I just all around there was definitely a lot of portions of Monroe's life that could have been included. I mean, even it's with, just it's more of a social focus on her life. I mean, it's just it's so hard to get into because the the first twenty minutes are basically non-stop abuse and it, it doesn't help that the film also starts with like young norma jean essentially like almost being drowned by her mother who has uh, and this is another plot that's kind of dropped like a hot potato is her mother's mental yeah. health issues <laughs> um although yeah Julia, it's like the main dominant part and then it's just kind of absent it just kind of i guess she stops visiting her mom or just it other the, the males and those issues take over it's oh, i mean although you know julianne nicholson was, was i thought it was really great and did some really interesting uh thing yeah she was fine she, she was really good at going mentally unstable yeah she was yeah she was good at that scary very scary i mean it's it is scary like i, I genuinely the, scary the, the scene where they're like driving through the hollywood hills during a fire like that was that was a really interesting scene both in terms of like how it was composed and like the color like just like the orange coloring to the film was like really something um and i for a minute there, I was like, "Okay, this this is interesting. Where is he going with this?" Yeah, and then yeah. and then it he started smash- to gain some hope. <laughs> and then it smash cuts to the mom trying to drown her in the tub, and it's like, "Stop, stop! I'm already, I'm already emotionally exhausted by this." And then she goes and lives in, with the neighbors, and then they trick her into saying, "Like we're going to go visit your mom," and then they drop her off at the orphanage, and we smash cut from there to her, uh, 
you know, going to Xanax's office and getting raped. It's it's like 20 minutes of nonstop torture and horror for this poor woman. And then uh, the, the last 20 minutes as well, because as she's sinking into like paranoia and um and, and banana drug use. It's it's just it's like but none of that's boring. It's not <laughs> congratulations, it's not boring, but it is <laughs> it is harrowing and you it is. And, and not really needed. A lot of it not not necessary for the uh, the points and the plot. And I will say this: um, if Andrew Domic's intention was for you to it was to create like incredible empathy and sympathy for Marilyn Monroe, mission accomplished. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> you feel really, 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 really bad for her. And of course, like I, I'm not a Marilyn Monroe expert by any stretch of the imagination but i know that you know from what reading and stuff i've done about her is that she was a woman who um was sort of admired by everyone but felt herself and her personal personal life like just desperately deeply unloved yeah and there were there was a lot of uh feminists and uh brunettes uh that uh really uh, hated hunter and they did kind of portray that a pitch um so yeah i would say not everybody loved monroe no, but, no, but uh, everybody I mean, that had power and the ability to mold Hollywood. Right. Did. I mean, looking back, you know, she was treated as like a beautiful object and not like as, as a person. And, and that is sad. And I wish there was a way you could sort of tell this story. Um, I mean, it's, you know, again, he was making th- basic it, the, the book. This is based on wasn't like a biography. It was a novel. So like there was stuff in it. That's like based out of whole cloth. And it's like, if we're so long, if we're, if we're going so long as basing stuff out of whole cloth, maybe we can, you know, stop torturing this poor woman <laughs> in effigy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's this, that's kind of what I, I was hoping for in this movie that we could do like something that's modern, but isn't, like rubbing your face in and 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 like you know maybe in a couple of years looking back at this movie like well maybe our face should have been rubbed in it because as you said like a lot of this is still going on in modern hollywood but um just knowing that she, just what a deeply sad person she was uh mm-hmm. maybe we can have a happy marilyn one day <laughs> that'd be nice just you know, she's been gone sixty years. Maybe yeah. she, maybe we can Everyone have a happy. Can Everyone, yeah, can dream. yeah. Anyway, uh, three hours was a bit much. Um, yeah, yeah. I would <laughs> recommend it to anybody who doesn't need a biopic aspect of a film who mm. wants some shock. I, I, I would recommend rec- this more to people that want some shock as opposed to people who like uh, Hollywood or uh, history or anything. I would recommend it, you know, to see Andrew Domic, you know, be as sort of like artistic and as crafty. It's an art film, like I said, allowed. it's different. And it's different. Yeah. So, you know, it he doesn't make movies too terribly often. So, um, you know, it, it's a it's a really great showcase for. For him, there are some scenes that really, really pop. Um, Ana de Armas is so great, uh, but I wish, I wish it wasn't 
<laughs> as, as the New Yorker uh, review said, it was. It, I wish it wasn't the passion of the Christ, or the passion of Marilyn Monroe. Which, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's. I really like that. That's accurate. It's very accurate. Okay, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, maybe we'll come back with a happier movie next week. Like Smile. I don't know. Um, anyway, that's our show. We hope you liked it. You can stay connected to us at our website and creditsradioshow.com. You can download it on the Guelph Politicast channel every Friday from Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. When you're on Spotify, you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear on End Credits. Just open up Spotify and search for End Credits on CFRU. You can find us on social media. We're on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show and on Twitter at End Credits Radio. And Peter, where else can people find you on the internet mr tarak on youtube and twitter oh, check well, it I was, out I was, that was brief and i appreciate that after watching three hours of a movie i will be back here on cm for you thursday at 5 p.m for news and politics on open sources guelph with scotty hertz in the meantime i am on twitter and instagram at adam a donaldson and check out my news and politics site at guelph politico .ca, and you can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus Community Radio. We shall return next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another edition of End Credits, and we will see you then. <laughs>